0: Well, I've got to say, I'm actually quite loving that we're spending this whole term together looking at the journey, which some might prefer to call the pilgrimage, or maybe just life. But when I think of the journey, I want to say a few things about the journey of life from my perspective. Of course, I have to acknowledge that you're going to have your own perspective about the journey of life that we're all on. And these are just a few things that come to my mind. First of all, I really don't think it's all about getting from A to B, or if you like, from birth to death, as comfortably as possible. I think life, with all its challenges, should bring a sense of purpose, a sense of fulfillment. So it's not just getting from the start to the end. The journey itself is the thing as well. I also want to say, I don't think the journey is about enduring life on earth in order to get to the perfection of heaven. I don't think we should look upon life or the earth as being like a waiting room. We're just waiting for the day when we arrive at heaven. I think the journey itself, life itself, counts. And thirdly, I've just got to say, it's not all about me. So my life can be to the praise of Almighty God. And to help my fellow human being along the way. So, those are just three observations that I'm making about life, the journey, the pilgrimage we're all on. And the introduction to our teaching series, which we are having really right from September through up till, dare I say, Christmas. Christmas is coming. <laughs> The introduction is this, for Christians, a better way of understanding pilgrimage might be as being a journey with God to know more of him. So again, the journey itself is important. Have you ever thought of that for yourself? Your life is important. It really is. I remember um, many years ago, we were traveling from Bristol to London, and our youngest son, Tom, I think he was probably about seven or eight years of age, um, sat in the back seat of the car. And uh, he was watching a film as we were traveling on this little portable TV thing. Now, please don't judge me too harshly for giving my child a little TV to watch on a long journey. Um, as we got nearer to London and noting it was winter the landscape changed in front of our eyes you see we'd left Bristol kind of gray and murky and cold but driving along the M4 motorway the countryside became whiter and whiter and whiter and eventually we were driving through the most beautiful snow-covered scenery and all the while this was happening Tom's eyes were fixed on this fantasy world of film and then he just looked up looked around and he just said wow and it just made me think that with his face down And with his mind occupied with this fantasy world, he had missed the beautiful journey that we had experienced. Um, So I think there's something in that, that sometimes we can miss the journey. And we're going to think a little bit about one aspect of our journey today, because I think it really is important that we fully engage with the journey of life and use it to walk with God, and get to know him better. After all, what does the Lord require of us? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk with your God. To walk with God, to get to know him better, And this surely for us as Christians is what life is all about. Now, please, can I say very quickly, if you're thinking, ah, you've just said as Christians, well, I'm not a Christian, so I'm off the hook. You're not off the hook. This is for you as well, because we are inviting you into a life with God too. give God a chance. So we're going to consider today some helpful habits to help us along the way through life on this journey. Um, Esther Champion Howard just a couple of weeks ago helped us in terms of fostering daily habits of prayer and reading the Bible, the Word of God. But what about those less frequent habits or practices? Maybe those that are weekly, those that are, are seasonally That's where our focus is today. So I'm going to read a few verses from Exodus, which is the second book in the Bible. And this is chapter 23. I'm starting at verse 12. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work so that your ox and your donkey may rest. just pausing there, because I've got to be honest, I don't have an ox and a donkey, but I think we're in a, a different place and a different time here. And the slave born in your household, and the alien as well, may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. Three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the feast of unleavened bread, for seven days eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the feast of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offerings must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. And I'm going to Stop there. But I just wonder, even in the reading of those verses from the Bible, don't you capture something of the essence of habits and practices that are regular but not every day? So, for example, there's the weekly requirement of rest six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work. Then there's the termly ask of festivals. Three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. And then there's this annual opportunity for feasts. Celebrate the Feast of Ingathering at the end of the year. So already we've got these feasts and festivals. And indeed, there are other Jewish feasts and festivals that are not mentioned in our reading. Um, But as you can imagine, there are many that are still celebrated by Jews today. Now, I could mention, for example, Purim. Now, this is a Jewish holiday celebrating the salvation of the Jewish people from being annihilated under the hands of Haman. Now, interestingly, Sarah is going to be actually handling that very story next week. So I'm not going to say any more because that's her job. That's her for, for next Sunday. But it's a feast, it's a festival, it's a Jewish holiday that is celebrated today, and there's a purpose, and there's a reason why they do so. But I'm just going to have a little pause here, just as a little aside. I hope this is going to be helpful, because I want to say something about interpreting the Bible, and I think this is just a good example, because in these verses that I've read, we effectively have a set of instructions from God to his people. And that kind of begs the question, well, are these same instructions meant for us today? It's a fair question. Now, I have to be very honest and open with you, because um, otherwise I've got no integrity. Uh, I have not celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread, even though God has said to his people, celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Interestingly, on Wednesday, just gone, at our Footprint Seniors group, we did actually have a Harvest Thanksgiving together. And it kind of fits with the instruction here. Celebrate the feast of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. But again, I think with honesty, I have to say that when we had our display on the stage here, um, yeah, actually that picture, that's it. That's the display we had. The cans of food that we had there i gotta be honest i'm not sure they were the first fruits of the land um they might have been very old fruits of the land to be honest um, and sometimes some of those cans have gone past their sale by date even. So, you know, with integrity, with honesty, we had a harvest Thanksgiving um, because we like doing that with a group of seniors. It, it, it taps into some of their own story, even their own childhood. We don't do it because of this verse. So there's, I think this is just a timely reminder that there are instructions that were relevant culturally, contextually, um, for a particular time, for a particular purpose, that don't get transferred to us today. And in many cases, we understand that Jesus himself both is the fulfillment of a lot of what was in the Old Testament and has replaced, in fact, a lot of Old Testament practice. Now, I don't have time today to... Explain the Jewish Passover feast, how interesting that uh, the Creed family brought that to us as we were sharing communion together. But Jesus has given us a different feast. He is the fulfillment of the Passover. He is the Passover lamb. And he has given to us a different feast to share, one of bread and wine. And we've actually had that feast together in communion. So we cannot take a literal application of these verses for us right now, but I think what we can do is understand those good principles that are appropriate for us today. And the first principle is simply this, that of habit or practice or routine. Because I think when we develop habits and routines, somehow we become almost like hardwired to repeat them. But let's be honest, that applies to both the bad and the good, doesn't it? I think generally it's accepted, that smoking is bad for your health. And when people start smoking, they then develop a habit of smoking, and then they can get caught up in an addiction to smoking. And an addiction is really hard to break. But let's not take a moral high ground today about smoking when all likelihood We all have addictions that generally can be bad for us, and we're struggling to break them. I wonder if that's true. I wonder if that's true of all of us here. We have a habit, an addiction, and we know it's not good for us. Can we break it? That is tough. Gambling that's addictive, pornography, too much food, excessive TV, compulsive social media. You know, what we're saying is a principle around habit and practice and routine. Of course, it hits us. In the bad as well as in the good. I, I want us to focus on the good, but I just needed to acknowledge that it's there as well, lurking in the shadows. The encouragement today is to develop good habits, good routines. And when Esther, like I said a couple of weeks ago, spoke about developing a habit, a routine, a daily one of praying to God, reading the Bible, which is his word, then I'm saying, yes, yes, that's a good habit. That's a great routine. And if I get addicted to that, I'm not complaining. So yes to that. Sim Dendi, in his book called Simply Church, he wrote about having a daily time with God and he said this good habits are actually quite freeing. They mean we accomplish good things almost on autopilot. One study from Duke University found that more than forty percent of the actions people take every day are not conscious decisions, but habits. Now, I read that and thought about it and just wondered, oh, I wonder how true that is. Is 40% of my day just habit, routine, do it automatically? And then I'm thinking, oh, it probably is. Maybe yours is 30%. Maybe yours is 70%. I don't know, but it's a thought, isn't it? That's the... Principle of 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 habit, routine, uh, practice. But the other one I want us to learn from is the principle of doing something regularly and consistently, because some practices just lend themselves to being weekly or monthly or annually. And as we journey through life, and as we walk with God to know Him better then I think we're doing ourselves a big favor if we nurture a rhythm of practice that draws us ever closer to him. That's the habit I want to develop. If it brings me closer to God, if it enables me to know him better. So here's a few specifics from our reading today, just to draw them out. And to be a little more specific, I think that there are some instructions for life that God has given which are timeless and universal. They cross all generations and all cultures. And I think the principle of taking a rest is one of them. So the Sabbath rest of one day in the week, I think, is vital. If we work every day of the week, week after week, month after month, then in reality we're storing up for ourselves a lot of difficulty, a lot of problems. That could be ill health, it could be poor mental health, it could even be shortened life. And even as I was looking at this, I I remembered back a couple of years ago, the BBC featured an article and it was called, How Overwork is Literally Killing Us. And it's got lots of stats and facts and figures about people who never have a day off and they just work all the time. And there's there's kind of research and evidence behind all of that. And, and who knew except God <laughs> knew because he made us and he made us in his own image. And when he was involved in his creation work, six days he worked on the seventh, he rested. I think this applies to us today. I think it applies to all of us. And I don't think we can be prescriptive. Of course we can't about when and how. But taking our rest and what that looks like, it is important. So there's an encouragement, is to take your day of rest in the week. Maybe we'll think a little bit on that at the end. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, we might come back to that one. We need rest. We need relaxation. We need refreshment. There's something in our humanity core to our human being that needs rest. After all, we sleep every day. We, we need to. I say we sleep. I know some people struggle to do even that. So these are tough things, aren't they? But there are other good habits, which I think are to be Encourage. And I think that we as a church, here at Ebenezer Church, I think that we have created and developed our own routines, which we believe are good for us, and to which all are invited to share. And these are collective habits that we can practice together. So here's another one. This is a regular, not every day. This is a weekly one. Every week on a Sunday morning, we do this. We get together. We use song to worship God. We pray together. We learn from the Bible together. Our children are doing the same. Our youth group is doing the same. And I know that all those things we could just do on our own back at home. Yes, of course we could. But I think that there is something significant and different about doing it together that is good and important, and we as a church believe in the importance, otherwise we wouldn't do this every week, but we do. So this is, this is a habit, and it's a routine that we've created once a week, and at the moment, it just seems Sunday morning is the best time, but who's to say that might not change at some time in the future, but right now, Sunday morning works, and it's a great way For us to, together, know who we are in God, know who God is and what God has done. And I don't know, maybe our weekly gathering together is a little bit of our expression of the regular feasts and festivals that the Jewish nation went through themselves. I find it quite interesting that knowing our overarching theme for this term is journey or pilgrimage... I find it quite interesting that the Living Bible, which is just another version of the Bible, has translated both the word festival and feast in our reading today as pilgrimage. I was surprised to see that, but where I've read festival and where I've read feast, in the Living Bible, it says pilgrimage, pilgrimage. So again, it just sort of ties it all up. This is about our life. It's about our journey. It's part of our life, part of our journey, the habits and routines that we develop. Another practice that we have as a church is we share communion together regularly. And we've done that this morning. Thank you to the Creed family for leading us in that. Sometimes we do it in our small groups, which generally happen during the week. But every time we do this, we remember Jesus. We remember who he is, what he's done, and what he's done for us. And there's that getting to know God better, walking with God. So that's a habit. That's a routine that we engage with regularly. And we do encourage people to join in with our small groups. Generally, they're weekly. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's tough for me. I can't do that every week. Well, actually, if you could do every other week, every month, something like that, you'd be welcome. But it seems to me that those who engage with a small group, whether that's on a Wednesday evening, a Thursday evening, or some other time of the week, they really commit to that because it's family and it's a habit that they've now developed and they realize it's good for them and it's important for them. So if you're not involved at all in any kind of small group, then we'd really encourage you um, just, just to consider that for yourself. Make, make that a new habit in your life, a new routine. It will do you good and you will realize that there are other people who are there to care for you, get to know you better and to help you through life, because we do that together. A couple of other routines. Um, sometimes I think we could do with a retreat every now and then. Now, this isn't weekly, no. It's not monthly, no. But just the sense of every now and then, we kind of just need to retreat and maybe it can be every year or every few years. Now, sometimes your holiday, that can be a retreat. If you have a, a summer holiday, y- you know, you're going away somewhere perhaps, or you're staying at home perhaps, but you're, you're having a break. And, and it can be like a retreat. Or, or it could be that you go on, on some sort of retreat, some sort of conference or some place just to get away from your normal routine of life here in Bristol where you live, be with people even that you don't know and that essence of retreat every now and then can do us good it's a good habit to develop and i for some i know for well that some go to like spring harvest or new wine or revive or Keswick. and those are times and places For retreat, we encourage our young people and our older children to go to Hill House Camp. They have their retreat as well. And I think it can be a good thing just to take a pause in life, to stop what we're doing and have this kind of retreat. Maybe you've never had that. I don't know. But it can be a good practice, a good habit to develop. Now, this is, for me, this is pure curiosity, And if you don't mind, I'm just going to... This is a very quick straw survey. Pop your hand up if you've ever been to Spring Harvest, for example. That's quite a few of you. So, so goodness, you've had your Spring Harvest routine. Who's been to the new wine conference? Yeah, there's a few there. Revive? I know there's Revive. Keswick? I know there's Keswick. Look... We—that's—I kind like that. <laughs> We—we've been to all of them <laughs> between us. I like that. I still can't believe that Steve went to New Wine and forgot his suitcase. <laughs> Listen back to his talk at the start of this series, and he kind of confesses that. And then I think, actually knowing Steve, no, I'm not surprised really. (laughs) I can say that because he's not here today. Don't tell him, will you? Um, What about meeting regularly with someone on a one-to-one basis? Maybe in a kind of a mentoring arrangement or, or a prayer triplet. Look, these are suggestions. These are Ideas. These are suggestions of habits and routines and practices. And I wanted to mention those. Oh, there could be so much more. A lot of this is about what we do collectively, admittedly. There's a lot more that we can do just on our own. And those are important habits and practices to develop. You know, I mean, as a church, You know, as we're thinking of festivals and feasts in our reading today, we do intentionally celebrate Easter and Christmas together. And I think there is a sense that on one hand, we are genuinely celebrating the birth, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But on the other hand, we kind of do a whole array of stuff around those times because people are often more warm about coming to church then than any other time in the year. And it's lovely to welcome people who don't come to church normally, but they will come at Christmas. And So we'll do Christmas again, if you're okay with that, when it comes to that time, which is not too far. Um, so we do that as well. So I hope that, I wanted this talk just to get us understanding the gist of those verses that... For the Jews, it was feasts and festivals. For us, those habits and routines are different. They look different, but they're good ones, and they do us good. And I wonder, you know, which ones do we opt out of, even though we kind of think, it would be good for me, but I I don't do it. Um, So there's a lot about, about encouraging one another in these routines. And that's why so much of what we do or try to do as a church is together. Because I think there's a a strength of the togetherness that helps us develop those good habits, those good routines. I'm going to invite the band just to come up and lead us in some closing worship. And as they get themselves ready, I want to present you just with a few questions as I end. Um, I'm asking you, as I'm asking myself, number one, are you taking your regular rest? Are you having your Sabbath rest? Are you having your day off in the week? And and if you're not, are there small steps you could take to enable that to happen? I wonder what unhelpful or bad habits that we do have that we really want to break. We want to stop. Maybe we need to trust someone with that create a bit of an accountability with someone and and let people pray into that because habits and addictions are hard to break once they are there. But maybe there are ones that we really need to stop. But new ones, good ones to develop, to start even, I wonder what those are. I mean, are there collective habits we do together as church that you opt out of, but you've got your reasons, and yet we miss you when you don't Come along to all those things that that, that are on offer. But, hey, we're all different. Life is different for all of us. So let's be patient, kind, understanding with each other on those things as well. I wonder when you last had a a proper retreat. I just wonder. I said... uh, (sighs) I kind of think, oh, it's all too easy, isn't it? Just too easy to stand up here and spout this stuff off. And I'm thinking, I do believe that God asks us to do something. It's universal. It's for all time to have our rest, to have our day off in the week. And then I'm thinking of people who perhaps that feels like a luxury. They can't because they have to work. And they find they, they are working every day of the week. Look, if that's you... We'd love to pray for you. And uh, there will be opportunity. If you want to come up to the, you know, one of the front rows here, you know, we'll spot you. I'm asking our leaders and our small group leaders, if you spot people coming up to the front, p- come alongside them, pray with them. But I, I just want to say, and it's not to be critical, it's not to be condemning, far from it. Yes, God wants us to have a day off, but what if we can't? What if life just doesn't make that possible? We know we should, but we can't. We just can't. Then I think we need to support you, pray for you, help you in whatever way we can. And just bless you nevertheless. So I just want to leave that thought with you. But I'm going to be quiet now. Let's worship together.